Keep your car looking its absolute best year-round with 303 Cleaners and Protectants. 303's revolutionary graphene nanospray coating gives you professional protection in a simple, easy-to-use formula. It will keep your car's paint protected for up to 12 months and give an insane level of depth and gloss. You can also use their brand new 303 Graphene Detailer to boost protection, slickness, and shine throughout the year. It can even be used for quick cleanups of light dust and fingerprints in between washes. For a one-two punch to keep your car licking its best, look no further than 303's line of graphene products. 303 Graphene Nano Spray Coating to protect and 303 Graphene Detailer to boost protection, slickness, and shine. Both products are available now at Advanced Auto Parts, AutoZone, and select Walmart locations. Visit 303radio.com for more information. Every search you make, every click you take, they'll be watching you. Tired of companies like Google and Facebook watching everything you do online? There's actually a simple solution. DuckDuckGo. It's an all-in-one privacy app with a built-in private search engine, web browser, one-click data clearing, email protection, and more, all for free. Download the app today and get the most comprehensive privacy protection with the push of a button. DuckDuckGo. Privacy simplified. Bradfoe Show. That's my open? That's what they used to call me, Swivel Hit Bradford. That's my open. I'm okay. waiting for you to so justify what? your stupid opinion. Bradfo Show. That's delicious. Farewell, Tim Britton. Farewell. This is the this is the Farewell Tim Britton podcast. Uh, Tim, how many times have you been on this podcast? Well, twice? Three times? There was the Hello Tim Britton podcast. Yeah, I remember was. that was a, that that was was a really big one. Five years ago. I mean, I think you started a podcast just for that one, it did. Uh, that was that was really the start of the Bradfoe show. Uh, I, I don't know how many times I've been on the the Bradfoe show. Sans the last without w. the W. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's all that matters. <laughs> Everything before that didn't make a difference. Anyway, that is Tim Britton. As we sit here right now, hold on, let me check my watch. He is still of the Province <laughs> Journal, but what uh, everybody everybody knows this. I know, but I'm going to tell you anyway because you've. If you have, if you've been in a hole, if you've been in a cave, and just in case you don't know, Tim Britton is leaving the Providence Journal probably in a matter of minutes, right? I mean, literally, <laughs> once you get on the plane from Fort Myers, you're gone, right? Well, I'm, I'm, t- I'm going to write through the weekend. Oh, now, you are. But, you know, oh, what a guy you are! I know. That's, what that's a, the kind of guy? What I'm a special speak. treat for the Providence readers. Uh, but you are going to the Athletic, and and the title of this podcast is. Why the fuck is everyone going to the athletic? Uh, so anyway, alongside us with also Chris Mason, because I figured Chris has known uh, Tim ever since they were in kindergarten together, right? Yeah, we go way back. Come come closer to the mic. I mean, this isn't this is. Yeah, I don't know how you do it at the Eagle Tribune podcast, but what's what's going on there? So what, what's what's there's, there's some monitors in the way. All right, so it's a whole thing. All right, but we're so, here. So Chris is with the Eagle Tribune, and he's uh, he's known Tim for since he was just a a, a young lad. Um, and even if he didn't, he's worked with them in the last few days. We're at spring training. <laughs> we're, at, we're at spring training. We're in Fort Myers. We're in one of the broadcast booths, and and uh, and I felt like it was important to do uh, because number one, Tim has meant so much to this podcast. Uh, you offered one of the best uh, sort of gifts, which is you getting in the car and let's go do a podcast, Rob. Um, and. 
and you've been you've been you've been there when we've needed you, Tim. Whether it's been on the podcast, whether it's interviewing Jonathan Papelbon on the phone, which I can honestly say, Chris, this is what happened. Tim, Tim, God bless him. We were doing the hot stove show. This is when the hot stove show was a thing, right? So uh, John McDonald and I were co-hosting the hot stove show, and we had Papelbon on, and Tim said, "I'll come down. I'll be a third guy." And he walked about two miles in the snow. Correct. That or, was that was the snowy winter. This uh, is like so it was like it was like negative thirty five degrees. Why, this outside. is why this guy gets hired by the athletic because this guy he walked forever to get there. He knew it was good for the brand. He he comes in for this hour of the hot stove show. We interview Papelbon, and you know obviously I know Papelbon. John McDonald play I think played with Papelbon, and. I've never been in an interview where I actually thought somebody would ask a question of somebody. You did. You didn't ask one question of Jonathan Powell. Well, you guys, you and you and, and John McDonald just kind of went back and forth, and you were joking because you had. To, you both have good relationships with him, and I had covered Papelbon for one season, and that was my first season. And that was I mean, 2011. That, and 2011 is really when I, you know, it's it's kind of the. Uh, the outlier year because I you know, like I think to myself like oh yeah I did cover Pavlov I did cover you were, everything was, just, everything was just a fuck. it was just I just didn't really know how to go about it that year so I, I mean if I came cut in I was like hey hey Pap this is Tim Britton for the Providence Journal like he, he would have been who <laughs> See, that's what I would have loved that would have been awesome uh, so so anyway but you remember where he was during that interview too. was it a casino <laughs> it was a Mississippi casino oh really <laughs> oh, well there you go hit on sixteen um, but. You know, I, I, that's why you landed where you did, because you trudged through snow, you had the common sense not to interrupt <laughs> interviews, and and now you're at The Athletic. I do want to get into The Athletic a little bit. Um, first of all, Chris, tell me your favorite Tim Britton memory. It's probably this one right now. That's, that's pretty good. <laughs> I that's only good. met him this morning, so. <laughs> that's, that's good. All right, that's fair enough. I, I like that. Um, so, Tim Britton. A uh, young man who came to us uh, via New Jersey. Uh, he he has evolved into uh, a presence on the Red Sox beat, and now he's going to be a presence on the Mets beat. Uh, so you started, Tim, to go back. You started in 2011, right? Yeah. Okay. You were. This is the first year in the beat. Uh, you were wait, interning somewhere? So I had interned at MLB.com in 2009, covering okay. the Mets, and, you and got 2010, the, covering the You Yankees. got the job at the Province Journal when who left? Uh, Dan Barbarisi. Dan Barbarisi. Wall Street Journal. Okay. Uh, and were you nervous? Were you, were you hesitant? What was what was that first, besides being afraid of Jonathan Papelbon, <laughs> what was the first year like? I mean, I was nervous. Like, I, you know, I came down uh, probably like the second week of March to start. I had started in the second week of February and was just in the office the whole time uh, when Brian McPherson was down. Down here we kind of just split spring training. Brian was hired before you. Yeah, were. he had been there a year already. Phil, uh, I think he was hired for Sean McGann. Uh, no, not Sean McGann. For Joe McDonald. Joe McDonald. Okay, go continue. Uh, uh, and I, I think I didn't know how much I didn't know. You know, one of the was that like a Donald Rumsfeld thing? The known knowns, the unknown unknowns. Uh, you were all you were cocky, full of piss so, and vinegar. I mean, I, I walked in thinking like you know I know how to like I'd covered teams in New York. I know. How Wait, to we should with stop. Side. We should stop this. Tim got a perfect score on his SAT and went to Duke. Anyway, continue. Thanks for that. Uh, so I, I covered teams in New York, uh, and so I kind of had an idea of how the, the media would operate in a big market. But the thing that I didn't understand, walking, you know, the Red Sox are a team, you know who's on the Red Sox if you follow baseball, walking in and just being like, oh, there's like 60 guys in a spring training clubhouse 
I, I know 20 of them. Like, and I don't know what the roster battles are. I don't know the back end of the rotation really well. I don't know the difference between the guy who's in spring training. You know, if, if I'm equating it to this year's team, I don't know the difference between, like, Michael Chavis, the top prospect who's there in spring training, and uh, a Steve Selsky, who's a non-roster in yes. who's, who's there for depth. the Chavis-Selsky <laughs> continuum. Yeah. Right. That's a famous psychological yeah. concept. <laughs> <laughs> So I, I didn't know those things, and I didn't know like what mattered in spring. I didn't know basic, like uh, how to go about the job thing. Did you like? I, like I missed an entire clubhouse once because I thought because they were playing the Twins in Fort Myers, so I just went to that park and sat there for like two hours staring at an empty field. Where, wondering where, you, where everyone was. Were you? Uh, so you go in. I you know. So you go into that clubhouse in 2011. You get dropped in. You you and Brian McPherson are. Am I saying his last name right? McPherson. 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 <laughs> um, so you guys were, for a long time, you were the two guys on the Providence Journal beat. And so you go in, and you're you're the guy. You're This is a Sean McAdam made his bones there. You know, you go, you talk Joe McDonald, Dan Barbarisi. I mean, this is a good beat to be on. You go in, and and was it like, oh, my goodness. You said all the things that you said before, but I actually then, it, it, like, do actually doing the stories, interviewing the players is was it different than you thought it would be? Uh, my, I remember my first interview was with Jacoby Ellsbury, uh, <laughs> and it was <laughs> like my first story idea. And this is, you know, a month into spring training, being like, Jacoby Ellsbury is moving from left field back to center field this year. I'm going to get the scoop on this, <laughs> uh, and not, you know, not understanding at that time, like all of this stuff has been asked for months. You yeah. know, it's been asked in the off season, not even just in spring training. Uh, and Jacoby is is briefer than most in answers, so I think I asked him like 15 questions in about a minute and a half. You, did you? Were you one of these guys who would try to think I'll crack the code? I mean, I, I didn't know there was a code. Like, I didn't know... Are you a much better interviewer now than you were then? I think so. Like, I, I was very formal for a stretch. Like, I didn't know how to... Because that's just... what you were taught at Duke. <laughs> yes. I'm, I'm being serious. I mean, like, that's fair, right? I, I mean, like, and we didn't really have interview classes at Duke. <laughs> yeah, but, but, you know, you go to... You guys both know. You go to journalism class, and they're like, this is how you do it. And that's one of the things I think gets lost in sort of going from that world to this world is that no no players are the same. I mean, this isn't there isn't a cookie cutter way to do this, and so and this is something you can only learn. I think number one, being around these guys, and number two, just being doing the job, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and like I remember that first interview with Ellsbury, like walking away and being like, "Oh no, like I have to learn. I have to ask." way better questions. I have to know how to go about this. Uh, like, I had, like, four different ideas I wanted to write, and I was like, none of these are good. I need to come up with all new stuff. Could you, Chris, could you, so you've been on the beat since last year. Can you relate to some of this stuff? Oh, of course. Yeah. And, I don't know, just the mentality, like, you go in, you're like, oh, I'm gonna get this, like, this is this is exactly how, like, cracking the code is a good way to put it. And then it just doesn't happen. You're like, ah, oh, so that's why nobody's cracked the code yet. <laughs> like, I'm gonna keep trying, but... <laughs> yeah, so, but, you know, it's... And I think that Tim, uh, you know, you start. I couldn't, couldn't for the life of me tell you tell you when you started. I don't know. It's all a blur to me. And I actually wouldn't have said 2011. It seemed, I don't know. It seemed like you'd maybe. I would have guessed like 2012. <laughs> right. But you know why? You know why I wouldn't say that because 
uh, I guess the first memory I have is when you did a story on Nick Punto and he thanked me for the great story. <laughs> right. So, we were in Miami with yeah. that. I did the whole thing. Yes. The whole interview with him and the next day he thanked you. <laughs> and what was the, uh, so that, it, there's plenty of Tim Britton memories and this is, again, this is like the Tim Britton celebrity roast. It's great. <laughs> Who thought that you would have ever gotten this? Now, you aren't going to do like what a lot of people do, which we do this farewell thing and then you come back in a month. I, mean, I don't think because so. Because if it's that's the, the case, I'm not buying you dinner tonight. Um, <laughs> You're not buying me dinner I, unless you can eat my that's, dinner. <laughs> that's, I don't do that. Awaken 180. <laughs> um, but, you know, so remember, remember, so as we said, you went to Duke. And remember, like, the, that moment in the, uh, what was that? Was that in the Marlins? It, it was the same trip Tell us that story. Miami, uh... And tell I think, it well. I think, uh, I believe it was a, a quiet clubhouse that day. Uh, Pedroia was in there. And I think me and you might have been the only media in there at the moment. Uh, so Pedroia's just kind of yapping with you, which isn't unusual. And he turns to me, and, and Dustin, I don't think Dustin knows my name yet. Uh, yeah. I, I think each year at the that end. That was of- one of the years where he did the whole, like, I'm going to pick a guy and basically torture them. Yes. Yes. Uh, so he looks at me, and, and he basically says, hey, what do you write? What do you do? <laughs> and I was like, I just write, you know, game story notebooks. He's like, oh, so none of that, none of that opinion crap that Brad Foe does. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, no opinion. They don't trust me with that. And you, of course, you love your your certain facts about me. And so you go to Dustin. He said, Dustin, you know where he went to school? <laughs> and I, t- I tell Dustin I went to Duke. And he goes, how do your parents feel like you're doing this after going to Duke? And I said, not well. Uh, and he goes, man, when I went to ASU, all I wanted to do was was hit lasers, make a lot of money, <laughs> and see like the hottest girls on campus. Yeah, he's a, he's a- Something like Bang Girls. Or yeah. Something. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and I, I just said, yeah, my goals were the same. It but, just didn't work out. Yeah, that yeah that's right. Yes. And that, and that, this, I feel like that moment was the moment you were accepted in the Red Size Clubhouse. It may have taken a year and a half, right? But the moment where you said that, I said, yeah, listen, uh, I wanted to do that too, but it just didn't work out. You get a round of laughter to an otherwise, otherwise morose clubhouse, and uh, so I was so proud of you, Tim, back then. Yeah, yeah, that was that was really the turning point. Yes. So, so you go. So you get through 2012. You do 2013 and everything else. When did you feel like, or did you feel like? Did you ever feel like, okay, you know what? I've hit my rhythm. If I, I've hit my, my sort of stride. I, I figured out how to do this. And um, you know, yeah. I mean, we all sort of feel that way. Like all the things that both of you guys have articulated. That's how it feels. I mean, I, I get that. Uh, it, but it's when you get to that moment. I feel like where you say. I have a story idea, and I can execute that story idea. No, almost no matter what story idea I have, I can find a way to execute it. You know, some maybe the particular guy won't talk, but I can get the other guy to talk. I don't know when that when you start feeling that. Yeah, and I, I think it was difficult the first couple of years because there was so much turnover uh, with the team. You know, I'd, I'd managed three different managers my first three years, two different general managers. I remember after 2011 when, when Francona and Epstein left thinking, this is probably good for me. I, you know, Everyone else has built-in rapports with these guys that I don't have, uh, so it'll, it'll be a good fresh start. <laughs> and and then you know you're yelling that, at Bobby that there, there was a built-in rapport for some reporters with Valentine, and, and, and Bobby and I never quite gelled. Uh, there was a built-in rapport people had with Charrington you know, that I, I built one up myself with him over time. Uh, and then, you know, you guys knew John Farrell from the time he was a pitching coach, and I, I didn't have that either. So I never really had that fresh start with someone where I felt like I was on equal footing with the guys who have been here for a while, like you, like Mike Silverman, like Sean McAdam. Uh, what? Go ahead. So, like, 2014 was probably, you know, like a fourth year on the beat. That's probably when I felt like I knew the players on the team because a lot of them had been there for a couple of years now. There was some 
uh, roster continuity between 13 and 14. So when I would have an idea, I'd be like, okay, who are the best guys to, to work this out with? Uh, who can I sit down with for 15 minutes for this story? Uh, and I was able to execute my ideas a little bit more consistently. What was, the, was the Valentine blow-up you had or the biggest blow-up you had with anybody? No, I've I've had a bigger one since. Uh, that was that was not really a blow up. That was kind of passive aggressive. Oh yeah. So the Valentine, what you asked a question about robots as umpires or something? No, no, what was it? no. I didn't ask that question. Oh, I, it was uh, it was. But this was in Miami again, right? <laughs> Miami. I asked. Uh, he had not pinch hit Will Middlebrooks. This is the time. This is the period when when they had Euclid Middlebrooks and Adrian Gonzalez, and they're trying to find playing time for all of them. And so Adrian's playing right field half the time. So this is a game Middlebrooks is on the bench. Uh, and late in the game, they're down like three runs, and there's a runner on, and the ninth spot's coming up. And he pinch hit Punto, I think, instead of Middlebrooks. And so I, I said, Did, is the reason you didn't pinch hit Middlebrooks is that you're waiting for him to be the tying run, which is you know, probably why he's doing it. But still, you're not going to pinch hit for any like the one through seven hitters. So it was, he should have pinch hit Middlebrooks. Right. Uh, and he goes, yeah, baseball 101. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and later in that season, uh, oh, the headline! Thing. I had written yes. Oh, this is this is great, Chris. Do you remember this? <laughs> no, this is before my time. Oh well, listen, you, this is a good learning experience for when a lunatic goes <laughs> crazy on you, um, because it, you know. So Bobby Valentine, you know, was sort of you know he had gotten in some yelling matches with other people and everything else, but toward the end, like you guys, it was it you and Brian or just you? It was mainly me. Okay. For some reason, you got you had gotten in his crosshairs. I mean, like bringing up random things in press conferences, including including what was the thing in the headline? Yeah, uh, so headline? what had happened was uh, September they had the game where they pinch hit for Jose Iglesias yes. at bat, uh, and so I had written basically. Uh, you know, I usually don't write columns. I write maybe one column a year, but this was a, an opinion column. Uh, contrary to what I had told Dustin Pedroia yeah. earlier that year, they don't write that well, stuff. Well, he's pushing you to be a better person. <laughs> right. Uh, that, you know, the Valentine's goals as a manager and the goals of the organization are clearly different at this point. This, this can't, this relationship can't continue. Uh, and he had, he had called me kid all throughout that season. He never said my name or something. Uh, and then I think it was the next day or a day, two days later where he did, hadn't posted the lineup right away. Oh, yeah. Uh, and so, you know, he comes in for his 4.30 pregame session. because I know we don't have the lineup up yet, but we're going to have it to you soon. You know, Tim, I know that's a headline already in your paper that, that uh, Bobby doesn't have the, malin, the doesn't have the lineup up yet. Uh, uh, yeah, that was good. So what was it? You said there was another. You said there's been since then a bigger blow-up? Yeah. I, I had, what I, was that? Come on. Uh, <laughs> what is going on? John and I, John Farrell and I had a disagreement over a story I'd written a couple what, years ago. When? Last year? Uh, 2016. I'm trying to remember what that was. What was it? Uh, it was just a story I'd, I'd broken down some of his managerial. He doesn't listen and, to the podcast. Don't worry he about it. He didn't like. Uh, he didn't like how I'd phrased certain. So things. you had broken down. You had broken down basically. Kind of, like, like, like it was moves. like three late game deci- decisions that he were. Had they made. all negative? No, uh, two were positive, and, and one was I thought neutral. Did he call you in the office? Yeah. So he just said, well, "How did that? How's that work?" I uh, guess it's good for Chris. I mean, you can have a man. Have you ever had a blow up with anybody yet? I mean, any sport. Uh, not really, no. Yeah, no, see, not this yet. is good. We're teaching. Go ahead. Yeah, that yeah just uh, you know, he, he had, there was an off day after the story, so he had called me, and you know, he doesn't generally he, reach he out. He called you on the phone. Yeah, he called okay. me and said, I, you know, I didn't like what you had written last night. Uh, can you come in the office tomorrow? And they're, they're flying to uh, Minneapolis. It was. Yeah. Uh, so I, you know, I got there early in Minneapolis. It was 95 degrees, uh, and I'm sitting in the the, the dugout, and I texted, you know, just I'm, I'm here. Let me know when you want to chat. 
uh, and it's kind of like feeling it like you're sitting outside the principal's office or something. Uh, and he called me in, and uh, we discussed my story. Did was, he yell? It was more heated than I expected. Really? Because uh, I, so I, I, I honestly, I don't. I've never with him. I've never been in that like where he's yelling mm-hmm. like that. I, you know, I know that happens. But it was, was it like force, I am going to force my, you know, my six foot three frame and my will on you, you young reporter. <laughs> like I walked in and sat down and he closed the door, kind of forcefully turned around oh. and started, started, uh, and I, I just did a spit I just, take. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I kind of, I had kind of a, a spiel in my head of what I was going to say because I, I thought I knew what he was mad about. Uh, and it wasn't that. So I, oh, I, I, I thought he was mad that I had, you know, I had gone in and asked him about something. Uh, the night before, like about one of the decisions, I'd, okay. I'd gone in and said, "Kind of devil's advocate, why did you do this?" So the other, and I thought he was he would be mad that I had taken a quote from that. So basically, did you ride it out? Did you just let him yell? And- I, let, I let him yell, and then I, I said my piece, uh, and I, I said it. Uh, you know, I'm a mild mannered guy. I said yeah. it probably as authoritatively as I say <laughs> anything. Uh, and we, we kind of went back and forth for a couple minutes, and then at the end, you know, what, what I always respected about John. Uh, was that by the end, like, we shook hands. Uh, we respected each other's disagreements. Like, I didn't like how Bobby went about it passive-aggressively. Oh, yeah. I like the way that John, like, I don't like this. Come in the office. Let's let's yell about it. And then later that day, I, I think I asked him, like, the first three questions of his, his well, I press think, conference. Well, I, so. I think in baseball, that's an underrated thing that is, isn't enough, anyway, of, like, the actual, hey, you have a problem, you know, let's talk about it. Let's confront, you know, each other about it. And then get to a, and usually get to a better place. Almost always, you get to a better place. I think you go back to, um, you know, last year. You know, with with all the stuff that happened. You know, like with uh, like I just saw Evan talking with Porcello. I mean, today, mm-hmm. right? And think about like when you know, that was a that wasn't the price, but that was when the same thing. Mm-hmm. Hey, got to win to it with Porcello. They talked it out a little bit. You move on. Um, that's base. That's that should be baseball, and usually that's how it happens. I always tell the story when I got um, into it with Francona one time, and he's screaming and yelling and screaming and yelling, and I try to like, and I'm like saying, "What is? What are you talking about?" So I initially try to make my point, and then he's screaming and yelling, he's screaming and yelling, and it just becomes clear. And I don't know if it was like that that you just aren't going to get through at that moment, mm-hmm. and. So I always tell people, I said, well, you know, you, you, you can do that, but then go, like, compose an email. Because you never articulate it like you have, right? It's like getting in a fight with anybody. You always think that, hey, you know what, I, I left this on the table. I left this on the table. Compose the email, more thought out, and then, you know, you move on from there. It's like when Jacoby Ellsbury read from the script. <laughs> yes, well, that's it. I mean, I had no problem with that. At least he's prepared. Yeah. So, Chris, when you do get into an argument, there you go. I mean, is that is that like how you envision it? Yeah, more or less. I mean, of course, I prefer the John Farrell route. The if, if it's going to be a direct, like, all right, hey, this is what I'm upset about. Let's talk about it. I mean, I think there's obviously a right way to handle these things and a wrong way to handle these things. And, and like, most of the time, they handle it the wrong way. That's how baseball is. I mean, it's passive aggressive. Like, I appreciate this was it was 
hours before the game, so I don't, you know, you didn't know about it. the other media didn't know about it. I don't think the yeah. team knew about it. So you know, I pre- it was between it us. It was not. It was not like in uh, Tampa in 2012 with the door <laughs> wide open and Bobby Valentine and Sean McAdams screaming at each other at the top of the lung with every media member literally a few feet away. Yeah. Uh, I did invent the rap. Yes. <laughs> That's exactly, you know, it was, was, and then the best thing about that argument was, at the very end, Sean walks out, well, there was a couple things, it was a couple things, it was like, uh, that, number one, that, that basically, Dave Magadan was walking up and down the hallway, you know, with his, with his shit-eating grin on his face, just like, sort of laughing, because, you know, he sort of knew Bobby for what he was, and then, um, and then the other thing was, Bobby finishes, they finish argument, McAdam walks out, and then you hear Bobby do the Ric Flair, woo! <laughs> you know, like, were you there then? That was, that was the surreal topper to that. Oh, that was, was so, there's so, I actually like Bobby, like, I just wish, like, he wasn't, he was wildly entertaining that year. I mean, wildly entertaining. Everything. I mean, after, so they made that, the big trade on August 25th, like, there was nothing to write about after they make that trade, except for what was going on. It was, I mean, the EI had that interview, and, he, oh my goodness, he oh, saved, Ordway, yeah, the first, he that saved was the this, first week of September. He saved, yeah, so the, you know, I'm going to punch you in the nose interview, but all the way up to the very last day of the season, the in, which should have been like, yeah, season's over, whatever, it was... Do you feel like you've been um, been undercut by your your coaches? Yep. Uh, okay, Tim Bogart. Good luck getting your job next year. So anyway, that was a uh, you know. So there's you know that you've covering a beat in Boston, the Boston Red Sox is you know this is a, probably a good reason why you've gotten the job that you wanted, and which is you know it should be viewed as uh, this is not an easy easy beat. This is difficult, despite what you know media says about. Whatever, since ch- chicken and beer, the reality is that it's it's an all-encompassing uh, beat. I mean, we're down here at spring training, Chris. This is the first time you're down here, and it's like you know you got to feed the beast more than any probably any other time that you've been doing. It's really you got you get dropped in the beat last year, mm-hmm. but this is like okay, you got to keep feeding the beast, keep feeding the beast, and while you're feeding the beast, you also have to think of creative ideas, right? Exactly, and that's the cre- I think the creativity is the toughest part when you're doing this like every day. It's like all right, how do I come up with something new and like outside the box today? Yeah, it's and like, you you come down to spring, I, I come up with like five or six ideas yeah. coming down to spring or, or and thinking like okay this is this is something I want to tackle the first first week or two and then you think I only need to come up with ideas for eight more like I need to come up with 230 more of yeah. these yeah and I'm thinking of this and just sitting here in the first few days and, and you know you're okay you you do it from eight o'clock in the morning on and then I took an hour nap and now I'm like okay other than the Tim Britton farewell dinner I will have to continue in writing and editing this awesome podcast throughout the wee hours of the night but it's all good. It's it's uh it's good to have some stuff and even though the Red Sox aren't at the at the top of the interest, their Q rating isn't great right now. Still, they're of you can see. Like I can see. I don't know if you know this, but the interweb, you can see what is getting read. As you pointed out earlier today, there is a reason I'm putting JD Martinez in every single headline that I have. And uh, what is what is the title of this going to be? Farewell to Tim Britton. <laughs> Welcome to JD Martinez. <laughs> we we we, we, yeah, we may trade. We have traded Tim Britton for JD Martinez podcast. Um, yeah. So, what's the best advice that I ever gave you? Best advice you ever gave me. Uh, <laughs> it's supposed to, it's supposed to be like that. 
We, we can come back to that question if you like. Oh, no, I'd, I'd rather not. Let's, let's wait. <laughs> no, uh, can I tell my favorite story about you? Yes. Uh, the, my, this, is, this is me tuning my own horn. I think my favorite thing that I've come up with about you was, was your tendency to not finish the second beer that you have. Uh, and so one night, I think Henry Owens only pitched an inning in two thirds, and I said he pulled a Bradford. He couldn't get out of the second. That's fair. That is fair. Except, uh, yes, my, my my Corona Light was much more delicious than any Henry Owens start. Over the years, we've had several uh, several late night dinners where uh, I've, just, I've basically just let you <laughs> critique other people on the beat to realize like how how to be creative on the beat and how to know exactly you know Wait, when, when everyone else is. Did that, that, that sound like we've had late? night dinners where you've ripped everybody else. <laughs> <Yes. laughs> That's exactly where we that talk about like. how everyone else does the job uh, and why your way is better. Uh, and, 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 uh, and I leave and think he's right. His way is better. Uh, well, see, there, uh, there, there you and go. The, the, the thing that amazes me, and I've joked about this with Tomasi since he's joined you, yes. uh, is, is the, the way in which your mind works for every idea. Like your Jeremy Barfield tie-in <laughs> to J.D. Martinez. <laughs> wild. But, like, I wouldn't have... Well, well, I could not so, have come up with that. So in case you haven't seen my Jeremy Barfield story, which I again if you're living in a cave, <laughs> the uh well number so you that's a good example. I mean so Alex Alex Spear interviewed JD Martinez JD Martinez. I interviewed Jeremy Barfield um for twenty minutes. I found that out we were eating dinner last night, which is fine. You know, it's everyone's interviewing everybody. But it's you know, I have to crank something out and and it's fine if Alex wants to do a bigger thing and typically Alex does a bigger thing so it's it's you you find a different way around it and Tim honestly when you're the one of the things is that you, we talk about headlines and joking about integrating JD Martinez you have a good way of presenting the story and this is this goes a long long way this is my going to the journalism class and saying the headlines are more important than the story. And it's just the fact. And, and we, now we've all the, talked the tweet about is more important the than tweet the headline. Is, right. Well, you have to, you should write your headline like a tweet. I mean, you have to. And I, they did not teach you that at Duke, I guarantee you. But it's, but, but it is, but I think that you, looking at your, the way that you've presented stories, I don't know when that switch was made, but certainly you've gotten that. You understand it. I think you understand it better than most, honestly. Well, thank you. Well, no, but I mean, you I mean, I don't know if you feel that way. Yeah, I, I mean, there are the big because times. I want to say this, because and we, you can't, nobody's going to read your shit if you don't get them to read your shit, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, that's the reality. Yeah, like there have been times where I've, I've sat down, I've written a story that, you know, I'm like, okay, this is the, the nuts and bolts of it. Uh, and then I get, I'm, I'm there and I, you know, sometimes when I post it online, I have to write the headline, not always, uh, but I have to craft the tweet or something. I'm like, what is the selling point of this story? And then I realize, like, I have to redo the first four paragraphs because I have not made, like, this is the selling point and I don't mention that until yeah. nine paragraphs. But in. even like, you could, your selling point could be crap in the first few paragraphs still if you, like, have a good tweet about it. Like, you know, I've already clicked on some things that I, I'll never, moments I'll never get back down here at spring training. For, you know, good you, for those people. You can only do that so much, though, before people catch on, I think. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I think the... Yeah, the, you know, I, like, I clicked on a, an unnamed person's video the other day, and I was like, oh, God. And, and but you're right, because now I'm not going to click on their video again. Right. Ever. I mean, I, that's, I will never get that moment. Like, and Chris, you're good at this, too. You're like, you're a witty... Uh, you're a witty uh, tweeter, right? I forget what you, what did you, what's the name of some, some of the things you just did? Because I just, <laughs> no, I just saw this. I just saw this. You just had some, what are some things that you just had? 
like, like you, stories I've written or like yeah no just uh, <laughs> meals uh, yeah no it was it was off of one of these mindless bench interviews and and I forget it but it was only it was a very short thing but you it does that's another thing that we've learned right and I think that you are of the mind. Um, we everyone writes different, and and I think at first you were like the long form guy, which you probably like doing, mm-hmm. right? And then and I don't know if this was a newspaper edict, but you were sort of like, okay, I can also do these shorter things, right? Right, yeah. Our, our stories have gotten shorter since I started. But there's nothing wrong with that. What, you, yeah. yeah, it was probably the Alex Bregman thing from earlier. How no, it wasn't. It wasn't that. No. That was like, that's how you get. What was the headline of that? Uh, how how World Series hero Alex Bregman cut a template for Rafael Devers. No, that wasn't it. Dunkin' Donuts. Oh, it was yeah. the Dunkin' Donuts. I know a lot of people wrote about the Dunkin' Donuts and Dave Dombrowski, but like so you phrased yeah. it. How do you phrase it again? Um, something along the lines of like, if you want to give Dave Dombrowski your two, go to Dunkin' Donuts. To Dunkin Donuts. Boom. And you know, in my world, usually that leads to some sort of sponsorship and free shit, <laughs> yeah. right? So, but and, the, and the, that's what you know. That's the mindset. Free stuff and get people to read. But I think that... You know, Radfo runs on Dunkin'. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Except when he's on Awaken 180 weight loss. So, um, but, you know, so Tim, we, we've sort of buried the lead here. You are going to The Athletic along with virtually every other baseball writer in the entire country. So, um, it, in, this was, I'm going back and forth with the title of this uh, podcast. Initially, it was going to be, Why the fuck is everyone going to The Athletic? It might be the the memoriam Tim Britton memoriam podcast in memoriam, but uh, so why are you going the athletic? Uh, I think it's more a, money uh, that helps. Uh, it's also a chance to kind of uh, do the kind of you know you mentioned the, the long form stuff. It's a chance to do that more regularly. I don't have to feed the beast to the same how much same element. How much do they? So give me that dynamic. I I am. Utterly fascinating. You, you talk about these late night of ripping on other media outlets, but it's because like I have great interest in in actually like figuring out why people do things. You know why they're doing it right, why they're doing it wrong. You know I know that like a lot of people on the beat. They, I think they've gotten past this a little bit, but they were always barstool, barstool, barstool. Oh no, barstool, push it aside. And I'm always like, you, you know, you should learn something from barstool. You don't have to write exactly like they, but we all should learn something from them. So I'm fascinated by it. So how is what is? I know that you're only you're starting next week, but what is sort of your your template of the direction of like how are you gonna? How do they? How are they gonna do things? I, I think the the selling point is that you know the, the stories that you want to read the most and the stories that that make you stand out aren't what's in your notebook and they aren't what's in your game story mm-hmm. uh, so it's, it's kind of the other story that you can do that uh, explains you know why is this guy on a hot streak why is, is it kind of like think, oh I'm sorry go ahead. And, I, and I think that's something that, that I, whenever I, people ask me you know why I lo- what I liked about the Providence Journal it was the chance to write those kinds of stories on a fairly regular basis that yeah. I thought Brian and I were good at them uh, and we were able to write those kinds of things but we, you know they're not as good when when that's the third story you're writing in the course of a day but that's the, worry that's about the problem stuff. is in and you know we all do this we you know like this is to, these days are the perfect example where you have Mookie Betts and Xander Bogarts to David Price and Chris Sale and yeah and they're talking for twenty minutes out of whack and and you and if you don't post it someone else is gonna and then if you don't post the little things then you're gonna feel guilty because you know everyone else is posting little things but you have to get past that mindset and I, I it sounds like what that the athletic is trying to do and I was what I was gonna ask you before I rudely interrupted but the ESPN sort of Scott Lauber moved to ESPN is it along those lines that like not writing quite as much. 
you know, but writing sort of reaction or, or something. Is, is that sort of right, it? Like, I, you know, uh, I don't... Uh, ESPN, I guess they don't do the rapid reaction anymore. That they threw that out the window. No, but no, I think, I think it's kind but of he, like, but they don't like, write as much. They're like, right, it's, it's it's kind of one story a day. What is the the story, especially in, over the course of a baseball season? You know, the every individual game itself doesn't matter a whole lot. Yeah, uh, it's kind of where does it fit within the context and the narrative of the season? So kind of. You know, you can watch a game and say, what, what's the most important? Like, let's say the Red Sox lose a game 2 nothing, but uh, Brian Johnson throws eight shutout innings or something on April 4th. So uh, they only like, want you writing one story a day? That, that is my, I, I think, you know, it's, it's at least one, uh, but it's, it's not kind of the... But if you the, miss, you, like, they aren't, they aren't going to ask you to do a notebook or anything Right, like it, it's no notebooks, uh, it's, it's no game story, so it's kind of what is the most important thing coming out of there that day. And if there's more than one, obviously... You like can, you said, the problem, like you... Like Province Journal sounds like you know they let you give you some leeway, give you some slack, and said write what you want. But we really don't want you to miss you know the nuts and bolts. But yeah, you can't. Too. You know if, uh, if you know if a guy has uh, if we're getting an update on like Eduardo Rodriguez's knee condition, mm-hmm. I, I still have to write that. That's still and that's still like the lead note rather than something well, else. Well, that's that you know, and that's what the athletes. That's sort of the way it's going. But it's still hard to. You you have that feeling of I'm missing this, I'm missing that. As long as your boss is all right, like Chris, like you sort of, I, I would imagine they want number one. You know, you can't. You, you they're only going to put probably one story in the paper, right? Yeah, in that's generally how it works. But it's it's you know they're probably the same sort of mandate, right? <laughs> that you want you want we want you to write something interesting. Yeah, yeah. It's like basically I end up probably doing an interesting story a day where I kind of go like. This, this week isn't a great example just because you have all the big guns stocking, but for the paper, maybe go off the beaten trail, try and find a story that no one else has, but then in the meantime, I don't know, three blog posts and, you know, call it a day. The, the, but they, they want a notebook? I mean, the newspaper thing generally is not a Generally not a notebook. No. So, so, like, the nuts and bolts, like Cora talked, and there's, like, some things to pick through Cora, right? And, you know, that's feeding the beast. That's, like, you can you can blog that stuff, but I can tell you. Like, I'm sitting here thinking, all right, I did five blog entries. i got to write another column, and uh, probably some, like, the three more I could probably do. There's other outlets who have that mindset. You know, that's, that's hard to get past, I mm-hmm. think, right? But, like I said, if your bosses are cool with it, that's, that's all well and good. So when, when – was that a tough decision? You're from New Jersey. Um, and so they give you the opportunity and to go there. By the time that you went to the athletic, I mean, already, obviously Rosenthal's there um, as sort of the centerpiece, and then you, but you have, I mean, these are names that we've all heard of. Right. You go down the list. They're all going there. They're all jumping ship off of not only sort of, it's not like just the newspapers. Like if the Herald guys all said, I'm going to interview, I, I want to go interview for the Athletic, like who would blame them? There is so much uncertainty. But a lot of these guys who are going to the Athletic, they aren't coming from places where you think are going to fold anytime soon. I mean, those are very real, I want to go there to work. Right, I mean, you've got people leaving the LA Times and, and Newsday and the Houston Chronicle. Uh, so those are, are you know... Insofar as papers are stable, those are relatively stable papers. Uh, so I, I think it was easier for me. You know, I, I was hired later than just about everyone else. Uh, that there was that cachet there already. That would you have done it if you didn't see all these people? I mean, if, if they talked to me, in, they gave you the kind like, of money they October. About. I mean, I, I I don't know. Like it would have been a, a different interpretation of it. Yeah. Um, but I, you know, I, I I had done this for for seven years, and I I think. Are you looking forward to, like, this, you know, there's, listen, there's still uncertainty with it. I mean, there's uncertainty with everything, but um, 
are you looking forward to this? Uh, maybe even more than like if you went to this, say hypothetically, you had a chance to go to another newspaper. You know, looking forward to this more than like even a, a bigger newspaper. I step up for the Providence Journal because of what they're allowing you to do. One, there are no steps up from the Providence Journal. That's it true. Is, it is the top of the ladder. Uh, Remember that when you get that job, Chris. <laughs> To uh, I, I think uh, I am looking forward to it more because it is more different than because there is kind of the sense that you're able to kind of craft what you want out of it. You, you know, this is kind of a, a block of stone they're just throwing down there, and they're they're giving you the tools to chisel it. Uh, it's not where you're going into a newspaper and you're being hired, and they say, okay, uh, we need main and notes today. Uh, we need main and notes tomorrow. We need main and notes on Wednesday. You know, down the line. Uh, so there's kind of a chance to play with it and, and kind of do your own thing a little bit more. There's a bit more freedom to and it. And no, no video, no podcast, no sort of social media, like the, the, none of that. I mean, this is just strict writing. I mean, we're, we're on social media. Uh, and I think, you're I think on there's, social there's, media. There's discussion of, of a podcast coming right. up. So, I, like, I, you know, I, I don't but know. The, but my thing, is, my thing is, is that you're, you know, this is... It's a great opportunity. Like jobs in this business are, it's great. And 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 I also like the when the the guys from the athletic, the higher ups, they were like, you know, they did this very bold statement of whatever that was. Like we are going to take down newspapers. But yeah, yeah, there was there was an element of hey, good. You know, people are enthusiastic. You're you're going all in on this. And 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 the shock and awe of hiring all these people away. They've and right now, as we sit here, they're backed up what they've said. So that's a good thing. Um, but, you know, it's the the actual jobs where you just go and write. And, Chris, you're going you're, you're to come to understand this and wherever you go next if you ever leave the Eagle Tribune. I mean, you could retire there for all I know. I don't know. You haven't even gotten my title yet. CNHI Sports Boston. No, I um, refuse to say that. We're branding. God, right? I know all the people there. God bless them. Nice people. <laughs> um, but... Until they change that name, I'm always going to say Eagle Tribune. It runs in the Salem News, runs in the Gloucester Times, runs in Alabama for all I know. Yep, sometimes. But your cubicle is in Lawrence. Um, so Andover. Andover, whatever. I, I work there. I should know. It. I, never, I never went to the office. But it's, it, it is so rare in this business to, to actually, I am going to write and I am going to pay, get paid a normal wage for this. And this is, you know, it is so so out of the ordinary. I mean, it's good for the athletic for doing that, but that's why I ask about podcasts and videos and social media and that stuff. Because it's almost always like you got to do all this. I like, you know, along with writing, I have to do you know run a website. That's besides the point. But you know, they encourage you to pound social media. They encourage you know I'm doing this. I'm doing. And that's fine because that's part of the gig right now. So if you can get, if you smoke them, if you got them, I mean, good for you. But yeah, and I, I don't know what all of the uh, responsibilities will be, but like you know, people always ask you in, in journalism, like, oh, like what's what's the next step? What, what's the goal? What's the dream job or something? And you know, as a kid, your dream job is like to write for Sports Illustrated, you know, to have that Rick Riley back column or something. Uh, and then you slowly realize, like, the, as the industry has changed, that that's not there no. to the same extent. And so then a couple of years ago, I was just like, to write what I want when I want. Yeah. Uh, and this is probably as close as, as I can get to that at this point in my life. It's hard. It's, it's hard because the, the biggest challenge you're going to have, well, not the biggest challenge, but the, one of the challenges you're going to be having is, it, I think, that of, of feeling that you're missing out on the other stuff. And, and picking the thing, because if you're going to write one thing and you're going to say, this is the thing, 
you have to make it really good. Right. Right? Because if you do something that, oh my goodness, this didn't get read at all, and you didn't do anything else, it's a crappy feeling. And, you know, but that's still that. I, I think you'll do fine in that because you usually pick the good stories. Like today, you know, you did uh, Pedro Martinez, right? Mm-hmm. Good story. Um, and that was the sort of thing that, you know, that you're probably going to be doing there, right? You pick a story off the beaten track. When's your Alice Cora following Alice Cora story coming out? Uh, I don't know yet. I have to sit down and Why did you? So, uh, listen, I don't. It's going in the Providence Journal. It's, I'm not. Uh, no, I think it's going to go in the Athletic. Oh, I forget it. Scratch that. I thought it was like your farewell. So the, is that the plan of like? I'm not going to get into particulars, but it's a big Alex Cora story. But that was the plan of like I want to have my first story be. No, I mean story. I had set it all up while I was still. Oh the, man, you really screwed program, over the so. Providence Journal. Didn't that sound mm-hmm. shitty, Chris? I mean, what a crappy move. Mm, that is. That's, that's, that's a very un-Tim Britton-like move. It's, I, how selfish of you. All I, the, I paid for the whole trip myself. Oh, you, oh, 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 that's right. You went to Puerto Rico with your girlfriend. I, no, no, she was not there. She, uh, oh, really? She, we were in Milwaukee Were you weekend. trying to keep that secret before I divulge where you were? Not, not necessarily. Because no, Evan Drellick was like, oh, no, he's on a date with his girlfriend. I'm no, like, no, he's not. He's in Puerto Rico. Me, me, Alex and I joked about that. He, he's like, oh, did you bring, you bring your girlfriend down here? I was like, no, she, she's at work, actually. But she, she was in Milwaukee over the weekend with me. She, she chose Milwaukee, but not here. Wow. That's, that's... I saw that Milwaukee dateline in one of your stories, and I was like, what the? She's like, am I reading this right? Like, there's I... no better aphrodisiac than the Fonzie statue. <laughs> um, so... The just to wrap things up with the athletic, you know, one of the things you talk about, you know, as you say, we have late night conversations that are crapping all over organizations, um, and I, I, I never say anything negative. You absolutely, else. I just listen. I just listen and nod my head. I said, listen, uh, you get the perfect score in the SATs. Whatever you say goes, Tim. But it, it, when you know when we talk about these paywall sites, like my thing is is. Whatever you do, you have to just, everything has to be prioritizing getting readers to come, mm-hmm. right? All this other stuff, it's not, it's eyewash. It, 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 until you get people to come, you shouldn't be prioritizing the other things. It's like, it, that's just, in a lot of this stuff, it's like, don't even do a notebook or don't even do this stuff because that's not going to get people to come. Right. It, you need to hit on things. And that's why I think with the athletic Rosenthal, oh, my God, so important. So important because the way it's set up, and correct me if I'm wrong, is that you know if you, you subscribe to the athletic, you get everything, yes. right? Yeah. So if, if, I mean, naturally all the Red Sox writers will want to read everything that I write about the Mets. <laughs> uh, and, they, and the good news is they can also read everything about every other baseball. Well, you don't have to subscribe just like New York. You don't have to subscribe. Right. It, it's not if you subscribe. To, to New York, you get everything. You get Chicago, you get Toronto, you get Boston when, when it eventually moves there. Mm. Uh, you get Rosenthal in the National Center. It will be, football it will be interesting. In, you know, they have plans to move to Boston. Everyone hears that. Um, it will be interesting to see that dynamic because all these markets are different. right? right. And they're, I mean, they're everywhere. But it will be interesting you know, where you already have that model website in Boston Sports Journal. Obviously, you have a lot more. There's nothing like that in New York, right? There's nothing... No, no, no BSJ there. It's no. So oh, there's only Pittsburgh and Boston, the right. only two places. So, do you think it? I mean, what do you? What's your take on this, Chris? Curious to see how it goes, but I mean, I figure, I think getting Rosenthal right away was such a huge thing for their huge. credibility. Where like, I would have had no interest in like just subscribing to like a national baseball site right off the bat, but then you get Ken Rosenthal, and it's like, okay, like it's, you know, there's these people are legit. Yeah, right. So, you know, so you talk about guys 
you have to have that guy that you're going to pay to write, read, right? I mean, you go back to, and Gammon's right for him too, right? Yes. And when he hits, he hits. I mean, still, I like reading Gammon's, um, you know, when he puts his mind to it and everything else. So, but when you, uh, you, you look at the sports, right? If you're, if you're following hockey, Chris, you're a hockey guy. Um, Bob McKenzie, right? Yeah, of course. Right, Bob McKenzie. That's that's the guy. That's the Adam Schefter. Yep. Of, Just gets everything. Right, gets everything. Schefter in football. Um, Woj in basketball. And as long as they're doing it, and I think some of these guys I mentioned maybe rely, do it on social media a little too much. As long as you're dropping the stuff like, here, read about it on, like, Rosenthal's been great. Right. And now he may have ownership stake. I don't know what he has in it. But he's been great about pushing the athletic. And as long as you're still writing stuff and not just tweeting out stuff, because, you know, let's be honest, Woj and, um, and Schefter and, I don't know, McKenzie, I guess, too, the majority of stuff is still going to be social media, right? Yep. It's like, okay, I read their tweet. I don't really need to read anything else. Rosenthal hasn't been like that. Right, he's got his notes columns where he breaks things down to a, 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 a more thorough degree. That you know, like when when he joined them, I think it was like three or four days in uh, when he was there, and I was like, you know, I've got to subscribe because as a baseball writer, I need to be able to read what Ken Rosenthal is writing. Yeah, and that's where I come to back to the social media of like they have to. This is another thing if we're gonna get critical about all these things. You know, I, I think that you, we talked at the beginning of the podcast about headlines being so important, and you said, no, Twitter's even more important. Of like, okay, use social media, build up your social media to get people to crack through that paywall. And it's, I think, too many of these writers, especially, and I get it, you know, you're coming from newspapers, you don't have ownership quite as much, you don't have numbers to reference, but so many of these writers are like, hey, listen, I write the story, I send it in, everybody come read it. That's not how it works. It's yeah. just not. I mean, I think that you guys get that, but I think yeah, that's I mean, a problem. I mean, it's not. The paper used to be delivered to your front door, and you would open it, and you would yes. read it. And now you, you've got to bring it to people's front door. You have to. And it goes beyond social like media. sending out a tweet. It's composing the tweet. It's it's doing the you know the Tinder and the Bumble and... I'm just gonna Bumble's <laughs> huge for <laughs> yeah, so can, it's a big part of the plan. You can, you can, own, you can own the dating app app demographic. It's great. Uh, all right, well, listen, Tim, we've gone uh, almost 50 minutes here. So, what are you going to miss most? What are you going to miss most? You you know the guys on the Mets beat. Um, you're from that area. You, you, it won't be too long before you forget us all, and that's fine. But what are you going to miss? Don't. I don't give me like the like I miss the camaraderie. <laughs> no, no, no. I don't. No, no. What are you gonna miss most about like covering this beat? This this beat in particular. This beat. I mean, you're gonna get mad at me, but but the, like this beat is it's a big beat, uh, and it is. I think it's closer than most other beats. I, I, don't, I have no idea. I, I can't I no imagine another beat uh, where where the people hang out outside of work as, as often as they do. Uh, and I'll also miss, like, just, you know, Fenway Park is your home park. Like, mm-hmm. you're watching 65-plus games at Fenway Park every year uh, in front of, you know, players talk about the atmosphere at Fenway, uh, and we joke about, like, the sellout streak they had and the, the nights where they're not drawing, and you kind of scoff at... <laughs> Thirty-three thousand, like yes, come on. They're, they're, they're missing. They're only got, at ninety. I got a total stink guy from Chris Sale the other day, but I felt obligated to educate him. Like he's like, oh, well, sold out every night, right? And I'm like, no. On Tuesdays when they're giving out bobbleheads, <laughs> it was it, that. Those are That's, the nights where it's not sold out. And it's like, why is that? Because they're they're giving out bobbleheads to get people to the park. 
So anyway, so I mean, there's just, a lot of bobblehead nights with the Mets. I mean, there's there's a lot with the Red Sox. Too, yeah, yeah. But just, just that that idea that even you know I've covered for seven seasons, three of them they were in last place, mm-hmm. uh, and they were still relevant. Uh, and that the park was still relatively crowded for a last place team in August and September those seasons. Uh, and so there was a sense every you know I, it always amazed me you'd be in like the eighth inning of a game they're down five to one and you get a runner on with one out and like Sandy Leone at the plate and the the crowd is getting invested in the game again. Uh, and that's something that I don't think I don't you remember see in a lot that place. I was in the back getting a diet coke. <laughs> Tomasi was in the back like in the, in the back room with Ian's son like just talking about some video game. Yes, yes. You're 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 making this thing seem much more majestic than it it really is. But you're, I get it. You're right. I can't imagine. I can't. First of all, I can't imagine. You know, you're going to cover probably. Well, I don't know how the Mets are going to be. Who knows? I mean, they they come and they go and whatever. But you know, the Red Sox, for the most part, even when they're not good, the thing about the Red Sox is that the drama of them not being good is almost got more intrigue Mm -hmm. than when they are good. It's like when you cover a team, you don't you don't really care so much whether it is good or bad. You care whether it is relevant or irrelevant. And the Red Sox are never irrelevant. What advice would you give Chris now that he's taking over for you? <laughs> uh, late night meals with Bradford. You end up generally not eating most of your meal because he has <laughs> and feeling much worse about the industry. <laughs> yes. Uh, just do your own thing, man. Go out here. <laughs> Live the life you imagined. <laughs> See, that's that, and that's coming from someone, if you didn't know, this is maybe the last time I ever get to say it, Tim Brayton got a perfect score on his SATs. The journalism section of the SATs, man, that was the tough one. Well, it, it didn't feel awkward when I introduced you to players as, this is Tim Brayton, he got a he got a perfect score on his SATs. I don't think you've ever actually done that's that. That's false. When Nick Punto, when, in case, uh, we didn't complete the Nick Punto story, story but... Tim wrote a story that basically I had interviewed Nick Punto, the exact same storyline, but because I'm lazy, I was going to do it like the next day. And Nick Punto said, I really liked your story. And thank you, but it was a guy over there in the pink shirt. Um, so anyway, always ahead of the curve, Tim. That was an example of it. We will miss you greatly. Chris, uh, we will not miss you because you will be here. And, That's uh, probably the nice thing you've ever said to me. Well, and, and so thank you for saying all three words in this podcast. I appreciate it. But not, not trying to steal the timeline, the you, limelight you, from Timmy here. You were the Tim Britton in the Jonathan Papelbon interview. <laughs> so, you, you have that. That's why I have great hopes for you because you have that common sense. Yeah, you walk, integrated when you needed to. You bobbed and weaved. Good walk, work. Watching the snow in Florida. Like. <laughs> there you go. Yes. So. Uh, all right, Tim. I'm off to a Mississippi casino now. Yeah. Oh, well, all right. You can do whatever you want. I don't care because this is your last time you'll ever be on, unless the Mets and the Red Sox go to the World Series. By the way, before you didn't go to Johan Santana's right down the street. He lives at Miramar Lakes. Do you know this? I didn't know that. Oh, my goodness. Come on. So i got to keep giving you story ideas for the athletic. All right. Thanks, Tim. Thanks, Chris. Appreciate it. Keep your car looking its absolute best year-round with 303 Cleaners and Protectants. 303's revolutionary graphene nano-spray coating gives you professional protection in a simple, easy-to-use formula. It will keep your car's paint protected for up to 12 months and give an insane level of depth and gloss. 
You can also use their brand new 303 graphene detailer to boost protection, slickness, and shine throughout the year. It can even be used for quick cleanups of light dust and fingerprints in between washes. For a one-two punch to keep your car licking its best, look no further than 303's line of graphene products. 303 Graphene Nano Spray Coating to protect and 303 Graphene Detailer to boost protection, slickness, and shine. Both products are available now at Advanced Auto Parts, AutoZone, and select Walmart locations. Visit 303radio.com for more information. Every search you make, every click you take, they'll be watching you. Are you tired of being tracked online? There's a simple solution. DuckDuckGo. It's an all-in-one privacy app with a built-in private search engine, web browser, one-click data clearing, email protection, and more. All for free. Download the app today and get the most comprehensive privacy protection with the push of a button. DuckDuckGo. Privacy simplified. Enjoy the show from wherever you are with the MLB app. Download for free to gain access to in-game highlights, pitch-by-pitch features, and more. All from your mobile devices. Show support for your favorite team with customizable MLB club-branded icons. And tune in to exclusive premium content for every team in the league. Baseball is everywhere with the MLB app. The number one source of live baseball on your Apple and Android devices is the official app of Major League Baseball. Download the MLB app today. Additional subscriptions may be required.